James chapter number 12. Oops, I usually wait a little longer before I push that down. Romans chapter number 12, I give the sound guys enough time to mute things and get things on, but I forgot. And I want to say this just up front, we're still doing, we're still doing questions uh, that people have asked and written in, and you're, you're still welcome to submit questions. By the way, there, uh, there's, I believe there's still some papers back there. If not, you can always uh, put it on the uh, back of a, uh, a scrap paper or whatnot and just, and just turn that into the office or however you want to get that to me, that is fine. Uh, but I want to say this, um, because I didn't think of this, but sometimes when talking with people, they, they think of things for me, and that helps me, honestly, because uh, I don't always think of everything. But sometimes when questions are asked, I usually take the opportunity to clarify anything that could be misunderstood about the topic that we're speaking about. And uh, I don't do this because I believe that, uh, or I, I do this not because I believe that the person that asked the question needs to know it, but rather, uh, there may be some who could misconstrue or uh, take it maybe a certain way, the information that we give out. So I want to make sure that we're ultra clear whenever I cover a topic. And the example for tonight, the question is, um, I wrote it down here. The question for tonight is, how can I know for sure that I am in God's will? And, uh, and that's a good question, and I really think that's a very uh, appropriate question to ask. And I think of most of them, I've all, the, all of them have been really good, and I've enjoyed studying them. I hope that it's a blessing for you as well. I hope that you're enjoying it as much as I am. Uh, but uh, uh, this one I'm going to look at this evening, and probably next week as well, we're going to look at this. But the person asking this question uh, is, is, is not saying, you know, well, I don't know what... Uh, these basic truths, because the things I'm going to give you tonight are defining God's will for our life. And that's not to say that that person does not know these, um, but, uh, but I think it's important for everyone to know the basics of God's will for your life. And so we'll start there and then we'll move on from there. But just so you understand that uh, I take a little bit of liberty with the questions and I, I, I broaden them out a little bit and, uh, and give a little more information. I try to uh, that I believe will be helpful and a blessing and an encouragement to each and every person. Um, Romans chapter number 12 and verse number 1 I almost have to start here with this verse, and we're just going to dive off here because uh, really uh, we're dealing with the subject of God's will in our life. So Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1, the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And it's that last phrase I want us to focus on, that ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Uh, if you're unaware of this, uh, understand this, that God has a, a definite will and a desire for your life. And that's what I want to look at this evening is, uh, is determining God's will. And uh, by determining God's will, we're going to define 
what God's will is in the Bible. So let's stop right here and let's pray before we get into our, our message. And, uh, and we'll look at God's will this evening. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your many blessings in our life. And God, truly, we have many blessings that money certainly cannot buy. God, as we sang that song, Count Our Many Blessings, God, may we relish in the, in the very rich, blessed lives that we have. God, I pray that you would just bless, encourage, and strengthen each and every person that's here. Father, I thank you for their faithfulness. I pray that you would just encourage them and strengthen them. Father, be with those who have tuned in online. I pray that you'd bless and encourage them as well. And Father, we ask all of this in your precious name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we look at the will of God, uh, I have to start right here. And this is the basics because we're talking about defining the will of God's will for our life. And so the first and foremost thing that we have to define as the very base of what God's will is for your life and every person's life is salvation. That's the first and foremost thing. And, uh, and, and probably most people that are here tonight uh, are saved and, and would know that. But hey, we have to understand that that is the most important step that anybody can understand. If you're out there and you're seeking God's will and you've never trusted Him as your own personal Savior, that's the first step. You won't, you won't go to the next step until you take that step in your life. The Bible says, um, go with me. We're going to go to this passage, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9. I told you we're going to dive off of Romans 12 and talk about the will of God. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9. Uh, the Bible is, says this, 2 Peter 3, 9. We're going to turn to a few scriptures. I'll just quote some, but I'll turn to a few that I, I think are important. 2 Peter chapter number 3, verse number 9, the Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." Listen, God's desire is for mankind that he would repent and be saved. That's God's desire. That's what he says so clearly. He says, is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish. You know, there's a great price for sin. Uh, for you and I, salvation was free. But for God, he, he paid it with the, the blood of His own precious Son, Jesus Christ. You know, so many times we say, well, we know and we understand Jesus came uh, and people hear it so frequently and He died for our sins. But they don't understand. I'm talking the largest probably religious institution in, in the world uh, says that. They'll say, well, he, he died on the cross for our sins. But listen, it's more than that. He, he did die on the cross for our sins. That's right. But he did it so that he could take our place and pay for our sins. And then he rose again from the, from the dead and he offers to us the gift of salvation. He paid a great price so that you and I could be saved. And God's desire is that every person would be saved. Sometimes we have a hard time wrapping our, our minds around that. I want you to think of the most um, wicked person that you could think of in your mind. And, uh, and, and just imagine, uh, the, the, I mean, just that person that you're like, man, 
That guy is, there's no way. And you know what? God loves him. We have a hard time imagining that. Uh, you think of, you think of, we'll just name somebody, all right, so, so that, that we're all on the same page. You think of Adolf Hitler. You talk about a, a person that was uh, just committed heinous, atrocious crimes against humanity. God loved him. And you say, how, how can a God uh, love a person like that? Listen, it, it's not about how vile the person is. It's how deep and, and, and incomprehensible is the very love of God. And I'm grateful for it. Because that means in the worst of my life, God loves me. And God loves you. And God cares about all people. And listen, even today, God cares about people. And He wants them to be saved. And so we see here in our verse, He says He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In other words, why do they have to come to repentance? Because, hey, the Bible is very clear, we're all sinners. Every one of us have sinned in our life. We've all done something wrong. We've messed up in our life. And Jesus came preaching repentance. He said, hey, I've not, I've not come uh, to, to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so God came to this earth, earth so that uh, you and I could recognize, wow, we are vile sinners and we need to be saved. And he, the only way to do that is, hey, turn to God and say, you know what? I want the salvation that Jesus Christ procured on the cross of Calvary. I want what He, what he uh, paid for so that I can be saved and then simply receive that payment. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart uh, that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I love that verse. And I'll often, when I'm telling people that verse, I'll tell them, listen, God didn't say that if you'll join our Baptist church, you'll be saved. God didn't say that if you'll be baptized, that you'll be saved. God didn't say, well, if you, uh, if you give a bunch of money to the church, you'll be saved. Now, I, I wouldn't mind if you did that. I wouldn't mind if you joined the church. I wouldn't mind if you'd be baptized. I mean, all those things are good things. But that's not our salvation. That doesn't, that doesn't save us. The Bible's very clear. It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It goes on in verse number 13, and it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a great verse. And that's the very first step. That's what God wants of every person in the world. That's God's will for man, is that they would be saved. That's why He came to this world. We're talking about defining God's will. And salvation is the first step. I want to look at the second thing, defining God's will. And uh, the second thing would be sanctification. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. Defining God's will, we see salvation is the first step. Defining God's will, sanctification is the second thing. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. 
This is a wonderful passage. I, I was just going to read one verse, and I read it all, and I'm like, boy, the context of it's so good, you can't just skip it. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 1. The Bible says, Furthermore then, we beseech you, brethren, same words that are there in, in Romans chapter 12, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren. He's beseeching them here, here, brethren. He's begging them, those that are saved. He says, Furthermore then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk, and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For ye know what commandment we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. Ready? You were saying, well, what's the will of God for my life? Well, the will of God is salvation, first and foremost. The will of God for your life in verse number 3. For this is the will of God even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, uh, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go on go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such as we have forewarned you and testified. Now he's talking very specifically about some things, but nonetheless uh, he gives us very clear wording uh, that the will of God is for us to be sanctified. Now you're saying sanctify, that's a big word. And I don't remember learning that in school. If you went to public school, you probably never heard it uh, because it's really not a public word. It's, it's a Bible word. Um, and what does sanctified mean? Sanctified means this, the act of making holy or the act of consecrating or setting apart for a sacred purpose. In other words, something that is set apart specifically for God's usage. This building is a wonderful example of that. This building uh, was built and this building was, was designed and this built, building and land was set up with the exclusive intention and purpose that it be used to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why this place exists. It's sanctified. It's set apart for this usage. In other words, we don't, uh, we don't rent the place out and have rock and roll concerts in here on Friday night. We don't, we don't do other things and have all kinds of other uh, assemblies. Our express purpose for this building and for everything that is in here is for uh, the service and use of God. And so, uh, certainly, we understand that this is a sanctified building. It is set apart. Uh, now, now, understand, the Bible is saying that we should be sanctified. You have to understand this as well about ourselves, that we have a sinful flesh. As much as I hate our flesh, as much as I hate my flesh, 
uh, and the sinfulness that is in it. Uh, we're, we're saved, yes. You're born again, yes. But we still live in a sin-cursed world and we still live in a sin-cursed flesh. The Apostle Paul wrestled with this in Romans chapter number 7. He, he, and you can go back there and read it, verses 15 down through, uh, down through 20 or 25 or somewhere in there. Uh, but verse 21 says, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. This is the Apostle Paul we're talking about. I don't believe personally, this is just my personal conviction, I don't believe there was a greater Christian that walked on the face of the earth than the Apostle Paul. I mean, this man, he put it all out there. This man paid the price. This man was willing to go anywhere, do anything, and, and, and preach for the Lord Jesus Christ anywhere uh, that, that God wanted him to go. And he's saying, and in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And he's saying, in my flesh, hey, I want to do good, but when I try to do good, it's like evil is present with me. Why? Because he had the corrupt nature of his flesh that dwelt with him the rest of his life while he was here on this earth. And the Apostle Paul wrestled with that. So we certainly will wrestle with that in our life. We have a sinful flesh. I wish that we could be, uh, I wish that sinless perfection was a thing here on this earth. But, uh, but sadly, it's not, because we're flesh and blood. And so we will mess up, and we will uh, have mistakes in our life, and, and, and we will have to strive against our flesh. The Apostle Paul wrote this in Galatians 2.20. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The Apostle Paul is saying in those verses, he's saying, listen, I have told my flesh, you're dead. I'm not going to listen to what you want. And all of a sudden, my stomach growls. Nope, I'm not listening because I'm doing what God wants me to do. Maybe you'd be fasting or, or something else. And, and, and you get the idea that, hey, there are times that we have to tell ourselves no. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm not going to do what my flesh wants to do. The Bible says this. Jesus said it this way. He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Why is that? Why did Jesus say that? Because he knew that tomorrow morning, 545, when my alarm goes off, this flesh doesn't want to get out of bed. He knew that tomorrow morning when your alarm goes off that your flesh doesn't want to get out of bed. He knows that. He knows that, uh, that tomorrow that, that some other thing will pop up in your life and your flesh will be drawn to whatever that temptation is and you will have to deny your flesh and take up your cross daily and say, you know what? I am going to deny my flesh and not do what my flesh desires to do, and I am going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. That's one of the reasons I advocate strongly. I have not preached on it, uh, but uh, I advocate strongly uh, the whole idea of fasting, which you find in the Bible. 
Uh, the whole idea of fasting is denying yourself and saying, listen, God, I am so serious about whatever this thing is that I'm praying about that I'm willing to give up food, which I need, which I'm going to say no to because I'm serious about God. It's a practice, it's a self-discipline in denying your flesh and saying, I'm so serious about this thing of prayer that I'm going to pray about this and I'm going to fast and I'm going to give up food on this. And, and, and it's, a, uh, it's a statement to God and it's a statement to your flesh. And so sinful flesh uh, is with us constantly. We have to deny ourselves, but then we have to separate ourselves to God. This flesh is not for sin. This flesh is not for self. It is set apart for the service of God. I love the kids' songs. We um, many kids' songs just stuck in my mind, uh, either from when I was a kid or when I worked in junior church when I was in college or worked with children. And, and one of the songs that, uh, that I remember singing, and it was one of those fun, active songs, is, is I've got these hands. I've got these hands I can't control, so I give them to my Lord. Uh, no, and they get me into sin. It's been a long time since I sang this song. So I give them to my Jesus, and I forget the rest of them. Help me to live my life without sin, whatever it is. Um, and, and, and so they go through each of them. Why? Because you know why? So, sometimes our hands get us in trouble. Sometimes our eyes. Sometimes our feet. Sometimes our ears. My favorite one is the tongue, and you grab your tongue while you're singing it, and uh, Little kids love it. I mean, it's the greatest thing in the world. Uh, and so, so you're, you're saying, you know what? I'm going to sanctify myself. My hands, by saying that, are for the service of God is a reminder to me, I'm not going to use my hands for bad. My eyes that I'm setting apart for God, it's a reminder to me that, hey, these are sanctified. They are set apart for God's service. My tongue is set apart for God's service. My feet. And you go through every part of your body because you are separating it and you are setting it apart for God's service. And what we have to do is, hey, it's our sanctification. It's got to be done on a regular basis because I'm telling you, Tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up. And if you fasted more than one day, tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up just as hungry. I've, I've, been, I've fasted before, and, um, and before I even realized that, I grabbed something and ate it. I was like, oh, I was supposed to be fasting today. Because why? It's habit. That's the way sin is. That's the way our sinful flesh is. It's just before you know it, man, you've already done something, and you're like, man, I wasn't supposed to do that. I was supposed to fast today or I was supposed to not do that. And, and so we have to constantly set ourselves aside and separate ourselves out for God. And so it's so important uh, as we look at this. And that's what he's writing here in, in 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, that he says, we beseech you. And look at verse 1 because it's so good. Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ, as ye have received of us, how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more, that we would practice and practice and work at it. It's sanctification, that we would set apart ourselves 
for God's service. That's what he wants. And he specifically goes into a fornication. And, and I'm just saying, in the day and age we live in, boy, that's so important. We, we live in such a perverse society. It is everywhere. We are bombarded with perversities on every level that, that uh, we need reminded that, hey, we need to be sanctified. We need to be set apart for God's use. So God's will, first and foremost, is that you be saved. God's will, secondly, is personal sanctification. It's set that you would have yourself set aside, set apart for God's service. I got one more that we're going to look at. And that is defining God's will. We're looking at salvation. We're looking at sanctification. Thirdly, we're looking at service. There are some things that God has directly stated in His Word, and they clearly are God's will. It doesn't say this is the will of God, uh, but it is the will of God because He told us directly that we are to do one of do those things. So the first one that we have under the service is witnessing. I believe every Christian ought to be a witness. Uh, it's, it's written down in, in the Gospels. It's written down in the book of Acts. In Mark 16, 15, he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We ought to be a witness to people that are around us, not just on the day of outreach. We got a day of outreach. Sign up sheets on the back. Sign up and, and come and be a witness on that day. But listen, we ought to be a witness on Thursday, tomorrow. When you go out into the world, when you go to your place of employment, when you go out to uh, shop or, or go out to eat or wherever the, uh, the, your path takes you tomorrow, that you would have some form of witness, a good testimony, living a life that is sanctified, that, oh, bad words are not going to come out of my mouth. Bad words are not going to go into my ears. I'm not going to listen to the filth that the world is going to try and, and give me, uh, but I'm going to sanctify myself, set myself aside for God's service, and I'm going to be a good witness and a good testimony in my life. Because he said we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, you cannot give a gospel tract to the wrong person. We were talking this, this before church with Brother Tannis and I, and, and, and I've, I've knocked on doors before and, and had some doozies, you know, and, and you knock on the door and, and somebody comes and they, man, they give you something and you're just like blown away. You're like, Never heard that one before. I've been absolutely stopped in my tracks and had no response and just told them have a good day and left because I didn't have no words for some of the stuff people have told me. But, but hey, we ought to be a witness every day and try and, and talk to people and, and leave a gospel track and let people know that, that God loves them and that he cares about them. The Bible says in Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. God wants us to be a witness wherever we go. You can't go to the wrong door. You can't witness to the wrong person. You can't leave a gospel track in the wrong hands. Uh, and so we need to be a witness and get the gospel out. It's safe to say that God told us to do it. Therefore, it's God's will that we be a witness. Secondly, not only uh, in the service of witnessing, but in the service of walking in the Spirit. 
And, and this is very similar to sanctification, but it is a little bit different in that the Bible says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So I want to give you the practical side of walking in the Spirit. What does that mean? Start every day with prayer and reading your Bible. You get up and you start your day. Somebody asked me one time, they said, I actually heard another preacher say this, how can they, uh, how can you, they don't have time to read the Bible. And, and he asked this person, he said, well, what time do you usually get up? And that person said, well, I usually get up at 7. He said, then I want you to do this. He said, I want you to set your alarm for 6.55, five minutes early. He said, you get out of bed five minutes early. He said, and if you drink coffee, go put your coffee on and then go get your Bible and you sit down and with those five minutes extra that you got up, you read your Bible. You know, you know how much difference that'll make in your life? Five minutes in the morning of just saying, I'm going to be mindful of God today. I'm going to, I'm going to be aware that God is interested in my life and that I want to live my life for God. And the psalmist said it this way, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. You know what amazes me? Is we can go days without reading our Bible and it doesn't bother us. We can't go hours without putting something in our mouth. You understand the difference? Our spiritual appetite should be as developed as the psalmist who says in that Psalm 63, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Boy, we live in a wicked, evil day. And if there's ever a day that we need God more than any other time, it's today. We need to have God in our lives. We need to spend time reading His Word and walking in the Spirit. Listen, the Bible says, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This Word, how can you determine God's will? will show you what God wants you to do in, his, in your life. That's where we found out, oh, He wants you to be saved. That's where we found out He wants you to be sanctified. That's where we found out He wants you to serve Him in the, in the idea of witnessing, in the idea of walking in the Spirit and spending time in the Word of God. And, and listen, these are, uh, how can you determine what God's will is for your life? You work on those things. You get those things down. And I'm telling you, God will just lead you. And we'll cover that the, the next week. We'll look at de physically determining the will of God for your life. But we, those are, that's the first step right there. Get those three things down. If you're not saved, get saved. If you're saved, get sanctified. You say, well, I, I did today. Great. Do it again tomorrow. Great. Do it again the next day. That's something you will never stop. I never stop working. I don't think the Apostle Paul ever stopped working on that. It was something that he strove to do every single day of his life. Sanctification. And then service. And that really goes hand in hand. If, if you're sanctified, boy, it makes it so much easier to serve. If you're not sanctified, then you kind of forget about service because you're not really mindful of God and, and we're mindful of our flesh, but we're not mindful of God. So uh, we need to work on those things. And that's the real basic of defining God's will. Those three things, salvation, sanctification, 
and service are, are basics for God's will. You know what we do? Sometimes we'll get so concerned about what am I supposed to be doing that we neglect some of the most basic things in God's Word. And we're, we're preoccupied about, well, I wonder if I should do this, or I wonder if I should do this. You know what? Why don't we just get back doing what God would have us to do and let, let those other things fall in place. God will lead us and direct us as we go. And, and sometimes we totally get the cart before the horse. And so we need to focus on those, and then, uh, and then we'll, we'll look at determining God's will next week as we see defining God's will. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the clarity of just these three simple things, God, that are certainly your will, that every person would be saved and born again. God, I thank you for the greatness of your love. Then, God, for sanctification. God, that we would set our lives apart every day for you. And then service. God's service is not necessarily coming to church, but service is being a witness for you wherever we're at. Service can be many things, but God, I pray that you'd help us to be a witness. I pray that you'd help us to walk in the Spirit and, and, uh, and, and, li- and read your Word, study your Word, and take time in our life, Father, for you to pray and walk with you on a daily basis to develop our relationship further. God, I pray that you would just move and work and speak to each and every heart as you can, and God, I pray that you'd help us to be right in your will as far as these three things go. Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we have a short hymn of invitation, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Salvation, sanctification, and service. Whatever the need, the altar's open. spoke to your heart, take a moment, pray about it. Maybe you got off track. Happens easily. The world and our flesh get back on track.
bring our invitation to a close. You can be seated. Um, if I can have a couple of fellows.